0: Every team, every topic,
1: everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Perfectville is now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Be sure to go to DolphinsTalk.com for all your daily Dolphins news, views, and other things. Now onto the show. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something stirring that will change this place forever perfectville Perfect. welcome to perfectville your first place podcast for your miami dolphins i am sam marcu and he is the two-time yes two-time hall of famer of course i'm talking about none other than christopher lloyd colon christopher how in the hell are you my friend
0: we're here. I am doing well, Sam. We are back in the saddle. Uh, if you are listening to this and have not seen my Twitter yet, I am yes closet casting as we speak. Hashtag Closetville. Um, just bought a house Friday, so it, that, it's been been a crazy month.
1: Well, How about you? Congratulations! I did not buy a house uh, on Friday. I bought a house about. <laughs> I don't know, eight, nine months ago. So I completely understand what you are going through right now. And I think, as we always tend to be, I mean, we are the trendsetters when it comes to podcasting for the Miami Dolphins. We started doing it now. A million people are doing it. Uh, Closet casting might be the future, Chris. You might be onto something. I'm garage casting. That's not original. You are closet casting. Uh, If you haven't checked it out, check it out on Chris's Twitter right now. You can see his makeshift office as he uh, still is unpacking boxes, trying to figure out how the internet works and uh, understanding where everything is in his house. So uh first of all congratulations on the house. That's a Thank huge you. deal. Uh the three of you have uh, moved into the new home and uh, I think it's bigger, brighter and uh probably a forever home or at least for uh, for the next good long while, yeah.
0: It's it, until Zachary goes to college and then uh who knows what the market looks like and all that, but it's at least a seven-year commitment for
1: sure. Well, there you go. So, Christopher, moving over to the other side of Perfectville, Uh, I have actually been uh, basically in my house. I'm over here in California. I'm in Alameda County, which is the most stringent county in America still as it relates to shelter in place. Uh, We just can't get our shit together. So, not only are we inside because of COVID, Chris, we are inside because right now it is 107 degrees outside. (sighs) It's been over 100 degrees for at least 10 days straight. With no end in sight, and uh, what happens when that happens? We had dry lightning last week, Chris. Meaning no rain. Is that? It means it just comes in and doesn't even spit on your back. It just shoots right (laughs) into you. Um, This thing made me sit up. Dude, I was right. Exactly right. Like two o'clock in the morning, I thought the neighbor's tree had fallen onto my house. And I sat up (laughs) like the undertaker in 1993, just straight from a dead, you know, I was dead. And all of a sudden I was awake and alive, uh, wondering why I was about to die from a tree falling. It wasn't a tree. It was something called dry lightning, which is essentially lightning and thunder uh, that hits when you have no rain. So, since it's been so dry out here, because we don't have this thing called water like the rest of the United States and the world does here in California, you can imagine what happened once lightning touched ground here in California, and now the entire fucking state is on fire. So, uh, people have been mandatory evacuated, I've had family members that are picking up and leaving, Uh, the mother of my daughter, she actually had mandatory evacuations earlier this week, it's been crazy, 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 but you know what, uh... It's not all craziness in in terms of out here. We do have some sense of normalcy, and that is, of course, the NFL and Miami Dolphins football, Chris.
0: Yeah, yeah, I hate to hear that about the weather and the fires in California. I feel like it's like every three months out there. It's crazy. Sam, and, and actually you texted me and asked me this. This is funny. It's a couple of weeks ago. You, uh, I woke up on a Saturday, I think, or maybe a Sunday, and you're like, hey man, you okay from that earthquake? And I was like, the fuck is he talking about? Do you mean to text somebody else? I live in North Carolina. We don't have earthquakes, but uh, yeah, we had an earthquake, and it was about a few hours away. There was actually some legit damage. Um, obviously, there's no earthquake insurance in North Carolina, nor is or homes built to code to stand withstand one. Um, supposedly you could feel it around here. Charlotte and I slept through it. But, um, yeah, earthquake in North Carolina fires for you. The world's ending, so obviously that means uh, the Dolphins are going to finally turn this franchise around and we'll never get to enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I know. Like uh, the world's going to swallow up and eat us whole the day before Super Bowl Sunday when the Miami Dolphins are up against, you know, like the 49ers or something like that. It's, <laughs> a, it's a very strange 2020 for so many reasons, but the one you just said I think hits it on the head. Uh, I'm worried for you because of earthquakes hitting North Carolina, and you're worried for me because we have high winds that are causing all kinds of damage out here. Uh, in this case, in terms of a fire instead of a hurricane, but still, high wind and area for me out here earthquake country for you out there makes no sense but what the fuck ever that makes total sense for the year 2020 um but let's let's screw all that chris you're into the new house you're into the new closet studio i'm in my new garage studio uh we're up we're running the internet is going for right now so let's talk some miami dolphins football let's get episode one of season five christopher season five Mm. of welcome to perfectville now part of the dolphins com podcast network exclusively uh at least for now um, and so let's just talk about what we started to talk about, Chris. COVID-19, the pandemic. We can't get away from this. This thing has caused so much damage around the world, so much death, so much calamity. Um, but what it hasn't done is slow down the NFL. It almost stopped Major League Baseball. It almost stopped the NHL. It almost stopped the NBA. The NFL said, fuck all that noise. We're moving forward. Um <laughs> It's so funny, Chris, because, like, the middle infielder for the Padres during spring training got COVID-19, and they shut down the entire season. Like, the ref for the NHL, uh, he, the sideline judge for the NHL got it, and they shut it down. And, like, the assistant coach for the Denver Nuggets got it, and they shut down the NBA. Ezekiel Elliott, one of the best, if not the <laughs> best running back in the NFL, got it, and the NFL was just like, well, See next man up. up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't you have a backup? What the fuck? Just, we're not. We're not stopping this cash cow. Get out there. Hold, you know, wear your mask. Go, go, go. <laughs> so what, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. It's just crazy, Sam, because like, you know, and it
0: brings me back to the Will Smith movie about CTE. Uh, one of the actors and it, it was in the preview. I haven't seen the movie because I heard it's trash, but in the preview, he says this is this league owns a day of the week. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like this is a powerful, powerful business. So uh, like you said, cash cow, they're going to try to get the money still coming in either way.
1: Well, like you said, they own the day of the week, and we're talking about Sunday, and they've soon they've since expanded that, right? Sorry, very professional, man, eating ice on the air.
0: But <laughs> We haven't done this in a while. It's like we yeah. cut each other off. That never happens, and now you're chomping at, into the microphone. So there's a mute button on,
1: Spike, uh, on Skype, Sam, just so you know. Well, there might be a mute, bu- bu- mute bucket on Spike. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm not drunk either. This is what happens when we sober cast from the closet in the garage, ladies and gentlemen. But this is why you love us and, and hate us all at the same time. Um, So I think there's going to be an actual season. I mean, that was one of the questions I posed to you was, are they actually going to go through with this season? And I think the answer is yes. If somebody gets sick or a team gets sick, they're going to do exactly what Major League Baseball did, which is, hey, we're going to postpone this for a couple of weeks. You're going to get some, you know, backup players in here, replacement players, and you're going to get out there and you're going to play on a Sunday, Monday, or possibly even Saturday, Chris. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. So I'm not concerned about the season actually happening because I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I am a little concerned about fans. So here in California, We've already said absolutely not. There will be no fans allowed uh, during these games. But Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys, uh, quote-unquote America's team, he's saying there will be fans when you come to a Dallas Cowboys game. Um, So what's uh, what's that going to look like, Chris? What's it going to look like if you go to a Los Angeles Rams game or a Miami Dolphins game when there's no fans, and all of a sudden you're going to Dallas where I don't know how many fans they're possibly going to have? Um, Or is there going to be fans? Is is the government going to come in and just take over and say, no, Jerry Jones, you're wrong?
0: Yeah, I don't know about the government, what that's going to look like, but uh, here's my idea for doing it, and I think you can make it work with a limited amount. I mean, if you're looking at uh, 15,000, 10,000 people, mm. just to get some kind of semblance of an environment there, hear some natural uh, noise from a fan uh, in the crowd, um, we, we can all go to grocery stores. We're all going to the bank. I work at a bank. I have not… I'm essential, guys. I've been working since day one through all of this. Um, and you wear a mask and you stay socially distant. You, If you're sick, you don't go. Um, if we're able to go to Publix and shop within a produce section and, like, there's 13 people hanging over my fucking shoulder for spinach when I'm just trying to grab a head of lettuce, like, we can do that on a daily basis. But we can't make it work in an open-air, gigantic stadium. Like, I, I think there's just ways to do it. Uh, and it's going to take time. It's going to take patience. It's going to take um, – creativity and organization. But why not have uh, every three three rows, you have uh, every three seats. And when you exit the game, if you really want to go to this game, you have to agree to this. You have to sign a waiver and you have to agree to the, the ways they they, they they do things. So that means um, a, a, like a church-like, a wedding-like exit after the game where they're going to say section 275, row 10, you can leave. Everyone else, stay seated. And it's not going to be pandemonium rushing out where everyone's shoulder to shoulder. But there's a way to do it. And if you you want to go to a game bad enough which i wouldn't that's insane we've already talked about this before about how i prefer a game on tv anyway um during all this but if there's people that bad enough want to do it and want to go they're gonna agree to the rules and they're gonna pay attention and do it uh or else they get kicked out or banned like that's that's it i mean theme parks are open Um, malls are open, so I don't understand why we can't do it this way, and it's a few common things, and I'm not even close to qualified to come up with this kind of idea, Uh, but I'm sure there's somebody smarter like a Tom Garfinkel or something that could figure it out and get a few fans into the stadium.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things you can do to get fans there that I think would be safe. First of all, anything that's not in a dome, anywhere that you have an outdoor open air, it seems to be less abundant when people are outdoors on some level. Now you can make the case that if you're in an arena, you're not necessarily outdoors. I get all that, but you should require face masks. Everyone there is going to have to require face masks. You're going to have to be distantly sat away from one another. Like you said, I think the way you enter and exit the stadium, you know, maybe they're going to give you call times and say, Hey, if you're in this section, you're allowed to enter the, enter the arena, you know, from, from, I don't know, 1230 to 1245 that's what that's your time to get in so that not everyone's rushing at the same time yeah I also if you think, miss your window you're gone you're
0: turned away that's yeah, it be, be yeah. firm about
1: it i also think that if 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 people are going to go to games because i'm not going this year i i can tell you that right now but if people want to go to the games um you mentioned something about signing a waiver i think they're going to have to sign a waiver that says you are taking this risk and you are to follow the rules. If not, you will get a lifetime ban. I think you make it that serious. If you say, if you're going to be a fan and you're going to come to a game here in 2020 during this COVID-19 crisis and you act like a jackass and you start high-fiving or spitting or throwing up or whatever it is people do when you go to football games, you're gone. And you're not gone just just this year. You're not gone until the pandemic is over. You're gone. You're banned. Not only from that home stadium that you went to, but any NFL event there forward. And that's what you do. You put them on a blacklist and you don't let them off. They're the 1919 White Sox at this point. That's how serious they should make And at that point, if somebody looks at all of those risks uh, in terms of not following the rules and they still want to go to a game, they're probably okay to go to that game, in my opinion. That's the way I look at it. So uh, I think you can make it happen. I personally will not go to any of these games here in 2020. I'm going to wait. I like watching the game on TV anyway. That's my personal preference. But uh, I think you can make it work. But uh, it is going to be weird if there are no fans. But we've seen baseball do it, and it really hasn't taken away my enjoyment from watching it on TV. Uh, I see what the NBA is doing with the playoffs. It's not taking away my enjoyment of watching this as a television no. sport. Uh, it doesn't seem to be affecting the players any either. I think mean, their intensity still seems to be there. You still see people throwing at each other in baseball. You still see people you know, dunking and getting hyped up uh, for the NBA playoffs. I don't think we're going to have a problem of lack of energy from the NFL players if they're playing into an empty arena. Uh, so I do think you don't have to have fans there. I don't know if it'll change the viewing experience or not or if they have something up their sleeves to make it look like something new. Uh, or or something similar to what you would normally see with fans in the crowd. But uh, I think you can make it work with fans. I just won't be one of those fans to make it work with.
0: No, and, and that's where this whole thing is becoming an issue with one side of the coin and the other. Where um, we get the risks? Um, and I'm going through that right now with with coaching football. Like football right now here in North Carolina, high school is uh, came out and said that they're going to wait till February. It's going to be seven games maximum. You can only practice X amount of days. Blah blah blah. In um, middle school, our, our our league, it's just kind of like fuck you guys. You don't matter. You're in middle school. Who gives a shit? You got five more years. You have to worry about this stuff. Um, and it's frustrating because there's parents that want to do it. There's there's parents and kids that want to do it. And there's some that don't, and that's fine. You shouldn't get uh, dinged for that. But my problem is there's not an option. It's just, you can't, cause we said it's unsafe. And I look at it as I work with the public. My wife and I are both essential. Um, I already mentioned the grocery store and things like that with people within four or five, six feet of each other touching things, putting them back. Oh, I didn't need that. Oh, did you wash your hands afterwards? Did You touch your face. Like we know the risks, let us choose. And like you said, if you know these risks, there's a waiver. If the fans want to go, let them go. Like, I'm not going to go to the movie theaters if they open tomorrow, but some people might want to. And if they think the juice is worth the squeeze to go and watch the Black Widow movie, I mean, fuck it. Let them. Like, I mean, Jesus Christ, like, you seat, wearing a seatbelt's illegal, but, like, you know, if I don't want to fucking wear one, no one's stopping me, like, a checkpoint every day when I leave my uh, parking lot. So, like, if you want to do that with the NFL stadiums, give them an option. Maybe no one shows up. Maybe a ton do. Maybe there's people turned away. Maybe there's a waiting list. Who knows? All I know, based on what you said, Sam, the viewing experience won't be different for me. I watched the XFL, and there was like 10 fans in the fucking crowd, and (laughs) it was fun. It was entertaining. Imagine that on steroids when you're talking about Devontae Parker catching a pass from Tua. I don't care if no one's there. I'm cheering so loud I wouldn't hear them anyway on the TV. So that wouldn't change my viewing experience. Now, as a player, though, I will say baseball and basketball a little different. There's a contact sport. There's something about that adrenaline rush when you hear the crowd. Ladainian Tomlinson mentioned it on the NFL Network. He said there was days and Sunday mornings he would wake up and he's like, man, I really don't want to play. I'm d- I'm banged up, my knee. Like, I ah, just God, practice sucked all week. It's hot. This team always gives me uh, the run. They really just give me a run for my money. They're always a, a physical team. And then he walked through that tunnel, and he heard seventy thousand people go fucking ballistic for him. When he ran out in that field and he said everything changed, he's ready to play. He was a new man. Uh, So it's going to be different for the players to get hyped up. It's different when Jimmy Butler steals a ball against the Pacers last night. Yeah, a big win for the Heat, by the way. Um, And he's been talking shit to the coaches on the sideline, and he can kind of get amped up for that. But when you're about to go head up with Derrick Henry – and you're just sitting there and it's dead silent in the stadium, it's going to be different for these guys in the physicality of the sport. So it's going to be interesting. But from what we've seen in training camp, uh, once they get the pads on, I watched Hard Knocks last night, and we've seen some highlights of the Dolphins and everything. They're physical, and they don't give a shit. So maybe there's nothing to that.
1: Yeah, I think LeDanny Tomlinson, Hall of Famer, great running back, one of the best of all time. But if he's saying that he got up and heard 70,000 people cheering for him, this guy – this guy played for the San Diego Chargers and New York Jets. <laughs> maybe collectively over his entire career, he had 70,000 people cheering for him. But those two fan bases were not coming 70,000 strong. I've been to Jets games. I've been to Chargers games. There's not 70,000 fans in there. So he's a little bit of a bullshit artist right there. But his point is well taken. I understand it. It is a, a sport that maybe a lot of adrenaline in drawing that energy from other uh Other aspects other than just playing the game could be important. But um, speaking of playing the game, Chris, before you can play the game, uh, you alluded to it in terms of Tua thrown to Devontae Parker. Training camps um, and lack of practice as well as lack of preseason. Is this going to help or hurt Miami? Um, You know, COVID is making everything different. I feel like the season's going to... Um, really go the way of the people that had consistently good teams last year because they already have that cohesiveness Miami is in year two of a rebuild they have a rookie quarterback in Tua. they've got a lot of rookies on their offensive line they have a lot of free agents that they brought into the team um, do you think this lack of training camp and the lack of preseason is going to uh, help or hurt Miami with relation to winning the AFC East or possibly moving into the playoffs
0: that's a great question, and and I've mulled over this ever since we you sent me a show sheet. And yes, fans, we actually had a show sheet for this uh, episode, season five. Man, hits different. It's like Game of Thrones. It's going to end, go downhill after this. It's season. the
1: first time we've ever had a show sheet, and it's the probably the most <laughs> ill, you know, produced first ten minutes we've ever had with people chewing into the microphone and uh, <laughs> us having uh, audio visual issues prior to us actually going on the air. Uh, but there you go. I mean, yeah, you're dealing with earthquakes. I'm dealing with high wind, hurricane, fire bullshit. So, uh, what what's a little show sheet issue?
0: Hashtag 2020. <laughs> um, that's just like all it is at this point. So I don't I I don't know, man. Like, I, I part of me thinks it's going to help us because we're we're a team that's very young. Fitzpatrick's the only guy in his 30s on our team. So if if somebody goes down, I, I don't feel like we're there's a huge drop off. From our next guy behind him and that might mean we don't have that great of a team uh with a roster around us but what I mean by that is if Tampa Bay goes out and Tom Brady gets hurt or gets COVID you're, you're now putting the backup in which I think is uh Blake uh, uh that one guy that played at Missouri or something like that I forgot his name even um here's he, your backup that's a huge drop off if Fitzpatrick gets COVID. Tua's coming in, or Josh Rosen's coming in. So th- having lack of preseason games and things like that, uh, and training camp are going to help us in that front, where we have some depth in different spots. Where like you know, uh, if if our safety goes down, row, whoever replaces them is really not that big of a drop off. Which again, I think kind of alludes more to like our roster. But as far as uh training camp goes, we are young. We're, we're under 30 year, years old. The majority of the team, we signed a lot of free agents. We got a lot of rookies. We would have definitely benefited from a full training camp and from um, preseason games. I mean, they're talking on hard knocks last night about um, Eckler for the chargers. If they didn't mm-hmm. have preseason last year, he wouldn't have made the team. Right. We had a great fourth game. Uh, ran his ass off, ended up making a team, ends up replacing Melvin Gordon. They're like, never mind, we got this guy. And uh, he gets a contract. Joe Burrow came out and said it uh, for the college game. If if this happened last year, NCAA got canceled. Joe Burrow is working at UPS right now. Like, it's crazy. So uh, these not having preseason games, I have a feeling like a guy like a Kirk Merritt, a receiver, uh, w- that we have an undrafted free agent on our team, would have stood out in a preseason game, might not get that opportunity. And I'm sad for those kind of guys because that's going to be uh, a huge loss for them.
1: Well, speaking of Kirk Merritt, that's actually a great segue into what I wanted to talk about because the wide receiver position – uh, in general for the Miami Dolphins actually looked pretty strong w- uh, before all of this hit, right? If you look, we're getting Preston Williams back, we have Devontae Parker in his monster season that he had last year. Uh, you get Jakeem Grant back, you have Albert Wilson, you have Alan Hearns who who signed an extension after a pretty impressive first year for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, and then whoops, wait a minute, record scratch. Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson both opt out. Now I'm not here to say that they did the wrong thing. I think they did the right thing for their families. They made a decision. They're they're grown men uh, I completely respect and uh, and and support with they did. Uh, However, this does mean that the Miami Dolphins now have a little bit of a depth issue with regards to the Miami Dolphins wide receiving core. Um, Alan Hearns, he he was there the entire season last year. Uh, Albert Wilson, we all know what he can do when he's healthy, and it looked like he was finally healthy. Um, Both of these guys are out for the 2020 season. That means that we have at least probably one if not two roster spots because I think both of those guys were gonna make the final roster yeah. Um, oh, yeah so that means we now have two other roster spots that need to be filled it doesn't mean they're necessarily going to be filled by wide receivers um, but who takes their place Chris I mean Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson you are talking about guys that are probably number three number four on the on the depth uh, roster behind Devonte Parker and Preston Williams um, who takes their place is it somebody like Kirk Merritt or is there somebody else or is there somebody not on this team yet Uh, that's going to take the place of Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson. That last question was great, Sam,
0: because I did see things on Twitter that the Dolphins, um, there's rumblings, there's rumors of us looking elsewhere outside of the organization for a possible veteran or a middle-of-the-road type of guy like a Tavon Austin who just signed with the team. Um, Yeah, you you got to find somebody to replace them. And we got a good young core behind them of of guys. uh, Perry from Navy, uh, the quarterback slash running back slash receiver, uh, might be the next Edelman. The Patriots were looking at him. Um, he's one of those guys that's shifty. He's small, slot-type receiver, where if you put him on the field with Jakeem Grant and Parker and Williams on the outside... You're going to get one-on-one matchups with linebackers and strong safeties, and they can do some damage. You also have a guy, of course, we can't forget about Jakeem Grant. He uh, has had a huge offseason, Sam. He's like campaigning, basically, uh, that he is a receiver. He's not just a punt returner. He's not just a kick returner. He is a receiver. I had videos all offseason of him running routes, uh, doing cone drills, doing shuttle drills, showing off his route-running abilities, his catching abilities, and we all know how dangerous he is with the ball in his hands after the catch. And then there's a guy... Other than Kirk Mara, I do want to mention, who's really making a name for himself, who's been on the team for a couple of years, and he was a captain, four-year guy in the ACC at Virginia Tech, Isaiah Ford. Yeah, He has come in. He played for us last year in a couple of games, makes some great catches. He's a surefire guy. He reminds me of like a young O.J. McDuffie, just like a sure handed guy he's not going to blaze past you he's not going to run you over but man he's dependable he's going to catch the third and ten right at the sticks and he's going to be very cognizant of where everything is where the defenders are shit uh shit yeah (laughs) a sit in the soft spot of the zone Isaiah Ford is a guy that you really need to watch for and can really make some noise with some better blocking and some and a a better run game where he can really get some opportunities
1: against some nickel and dime cornerbacks that are going to be on him so yeah, I think you make a good point. Kirk Merritt, Malcolm Perry, Isaiah Ford—you know these are young guys who are going to fill out the back end of this roster. I mean, obviously, Preston Williams and Devontae Parker are number one and number two. Sure, Jakeem Grant I think has solidified himself as a number three wide receiver, especially with everything going on right now with the opt-outs of Alan Hurn and Albert Wilson. But let's not forget that Mike Gisicchi, uh is probably yeah. your true number three receiving threat on this team right now, especially in a Chan Gailey offense that caters to tight ends. Uh, I I think Mike Gasicki ends up becoming your number three wide receiver, if not number two, depending on how Preston and Devontae work with one another. Um, But that's the thing I want to know. So in your opinion, do you think, Albert Wilson and, and uh, Alan Hearns are done in Miami. They opted out this year. We understand why. But with all that we just talked about, with Gesicki coming up, with Devontae finally becoming that number one wide receiver, Preston Williams being that talented guy before he got injured last year, uh, and and some of those rookies and young guys on the, on the back end of this wide receiving core, uh, are Wilson and Hearns done in Miami?
0: I, I would say so,
1: Sam. And I'll bring it
0: into a more real-world type of scenario. If I'm a really good not great, but good personal banker uh, at Wells Fargo or any other bank. And I'm sitting there and I have somebody behind me that is a teller, has been a teller for five years, and I really want to be a personal banker. Um, and I just decide to call out for a few weeks and get the, give this person a chance to like shine and look good, and they might make less money than me. I'm giving them the opportunity to take my job, and okay. Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns are doing exactly that. Now, like you said, I'm not here to judge them for not playing. Some people are have uh, issues with uh, pregnant wives, with kids, babies at home, with living with their mom that are surviving cancer treatments and things, so I'm not judging at all if they decide not to play. However, that is their choice, and they have to deal with the consequences that might and probably will come with that. And that's going to be somebody else getting an opportunity, like an Isaiah Ford or a Kirk Merritt, that's going to step up, make plays. And Brian Flores and the GM is going to go... Um, guys, are we going to pay Albert Wilson 4 million this year? Because Isaiah four makes 500,000 and he was just as productive. So, and, and then, and then you're talking about us going to a draft with four, you know, all these draft, first and second round draft picks and money for free agency. It just is risky when you weren't already, it's not like they're superstars, right? They weren't like, You know, Michael Thomas from the Saints decided not to play. He's guaranteed the roster when he decides it's fine to come back. Right. These guys are fringe players anyway, and uh, I I think their time is done in Miami.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think Alan Hearns and, uh, Albert Wilson, you know, they made the right decision for themselves, but, uh, I think it is going to cost them their job here in Miami, unfortunately for them, but you know what, that's just the way it goes. Like you said, they're giving uh, others opportunities that are younger, cheaper to step up and give the production that they gave last year or the year before that. Uh, and if these young guys can stay healthy and show that they can be productive on the back end of this roster, I don't know how Albert Wilson or Alan Hearns survive this going into next year. I could be wrong, but I just, I just don't think that they're going to be able to be here, uh, should that pan out but it's not a guarantee that it will pan out and here's the question I have for you Chris is the Miami Dolphins wide receiving core right now as it is currently constructed a strength or a weakness for the Miami Dolphins and here's here's my thought on this Devontae Parker has been in the league what five seasons I think yeah he's had one phenomenal season the last season um but before that he has really underwhelmed everybody i think everyone thought he, you know he was basically going to be a bust and was certainly headed that way up until last season he really started to turn it on once preston williams the undrafted wide receiver who was just smoking hot when it when we were in preseason and in the first half of the season once he got injured once Preston went down, Devontae really turned it up, and it was a lot of sandlot football of, of Ryan Fitzpatrick just throwing the ball up and Devontae Pe- Parker just going and taking it from people. I think he has a lot of confidence. I think it shows the talent and the ability that he actually has, but he wasn't able to show that until basically every other option was out of the way. With Preston Williams coming back, if he is you know, 75 80% of what he was last year, does it hurt Devontae Parker because Preston Williams now becomes that option, or are these two going to gel together and have uh, a relationship where it really doesn't matter which one you throw to as long as we're producing down the field. If that's the case, I think we're in a strength. But what do you think? Do you think we are in a strength or, or a position of weakness considering that we lost a couple of veterans to COVID and that we're coming with a wide receiving core that has one guy who's had one phenomenal season out of five and another guy who was an undrafted free agent rookie who got injured in his first season of NFL play?
0: Yeah, it's tough because um, you know they were pretty much marrying each other until... Williams got hurt, so uh, that means Williams was having a very good year, too, and they're both kind of angling up as far as the chart goes. Uh, Parker really turned it on after he, he went, and and that goes to show, though, that that complete distraction of Williams was gone, and Parker still stood out against the top guys and all the attention. So that's true. I think the person that's going to benefit the most out of this is Mike Gusecki, honestly, because it's going to take uh, everybody knows who Williams is and who Parker is now, and um, Gasecki is going to be sitting there with a you know free safety or, or linebacker, and he's got the size and speed to be able to beat him. I can definitely see in Chan offense. I'm glad you brought that up earlier, where um, <clears throat> uh, he's going to really shine in this offense and be a be a good option for Fitzpatrick, Tua, or Rosen, whoever's throwing the ball. As far as the wide receiver crew goes, I I mean, I think we're sleeping on Jakeem Grant. He's going to be a really good slot receiver if he's used correctly. A lot of the receivers are coming out and saying Chan Gailey's offense allows him more freedom in the route running. So if if Jakeem Grant can go out there and he's not like being held to the standard of like doing this complete five yards not six or uh you know you got to get it like right behind the right shoulder of the outside linebacker not across his chest if you get open you get open and you get the guy the ball he's he's dangerous and he's going to do some things so i would say the wide receiver crew is definitely a strength for us because i'm just counting on parker uh, having Williams now pulling the second, uh, you know, the safety over the top away from them because they're going to have to respect both sides of the field, and uh, that's going to allow Fitzpatrick or Tua or Rosen, whoever's throwing the ball, to have more options. I just hope they spread it around correctly.
1: Well, speaking of uh, Tua, Fitzpatrick, and Rosen, we're going to talk about the quarterback battle on the other half of the mid-roll. That's industry term for commercials. Uh, We're also going to talk about injuries. We have uh, injuries already here for the Miami Dolphins as they put on the pads. Uh, We'll talk about what happened, who got injured, who is out, why they're out, and how that affects the team. And we're going to talk a little bit about the AFC East, Chris. There's a team out there, uh, and you're not going to believe which one. Well, you already know which one. Everyone knows which one. That really is kind of mailing it in for the 2020 season, and uh, nobody's saying a goddamn word about it. Yet, when the Miami Dolphins were accused of it, uh, the whole world was on fire, just like how it is here in California. So we're going to talk a little bit about that right after these messages. This episode of Perfect is brought to you in part by Woke Smoke Premium CBD Hemp Flour. That's right, CBD. All your medicinal needs and all kinds of different flavors and topical creams as well as pre-rolls, Woke Smoke, get yours today. For all your CBD needs, check out Woke Smoke on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Woke Smoke. Woke Smoke. And we are back. I hope you guys enjoyed those commercials because I enjoyed getting paid for those commercials. (laughs) Uh, All right, Chris. So we talked a little bit about COVID-19, its impact on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL as a whole. We talked about the wide receiving core, whether it is a strength or a weakness. We've got some people that opted out because of COVID-19, which really means it's going to generate opportunities for other folks to step up and uh, solidify their own spot and maybe take that spot going forward from those veterans that have uh, decided to opt out of the 2020 season. Uh, But we have some other competition, especially now that training camp is open. The Miami Dolphins are hitting each other uh, with pads on, hopefully only with pads on. Hopefully they're not taking the pads off and punching each other in the face. That would be bad for team morale. (laughs) Uh, But there's a couple areas that we need to talk about. Number one is the quarterback room. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tua Tua, Tua, and Josh Rosen battling it out. There's some uh, conflicting reports so far about how good Josh Rosen looks, how bad Tua has looked, and uh, whether there's cause for concern at this point. I think they've only been practicing for two or three days since we've recorded this or I have been recording this. Uh, but I also want to talk about Vince Beagle. Uh, I alluded mm. to the fact that there was an injury on the Miami Dolphins, and that was, of course, Vince Beagle. He went down the very first day of practice of pads, uh, goes down with a torn Achilles. He's gone for the 2020 season. Uh, now, this is a guy, if anyone remembers, we traded away Kiko Alonso. And I think like a sixth-round draft pick for Vince Beagle. And at the time, we just kind of thought, oh, we're getting the draft pick. That's all we're doing. And we got this kind of nondescript guy. Um, As it turned out, Chris, his first season with the Miami Dolphins, he was not only a bright spot, he was a highlight of the Miami Dolphins' defense. He led the team with QB hits with 13 in 2019. Uh, He was a guy that we thought maybe could contribute in special teams. Turns out he contributed not only on special teams but on defense, team morale, team leader. Uh, Got himself a brand-new contract in the offseason to stay with the Miami Dolphins. Um, I think this one hurts more on the emotional side for all the fans. Well, it it hurts Vince Beagle the most because tearing your Achilles is fucking painful. (laughs) Uh, So let's not discount that. But I think losing Vince Beagle um, really hurts more – um, maybe off paper, if you will, than on paper? Because you look at his stats and you go, oh, he's, you know, he's not that guy. But he is a glue guy. He's a guy that seems to rally people around him and seems to be kind of a good, fiery leader for that defense. Uh, how big of a loss is it for the Miami Dolphins to lose Vince Beagle, one of the holdovers from last season? Um, I think it's it's a decently big
0: chunk, man. Like That's a, that's a good guy. I like following him on social media. He was super pumped for the season, man. It's so sad to see this happen to these kind of guys that – Get an opportunity on a team that was struggling last year, uh, where he would never have the opportunity to do that on any other team. Right, and stepped up and led the team in you know all kinds of different categories and was on the top of the top five, you know, tackles for loss, QB hits, things like that. With a motor that kind of Brian Flores really likes in that Patriot style defense, where these guys you've never even heard of. Uh, come from these opportunities and from these schools where all they needed was a chance. And he and he took his and ran with it and earned a contract, and then he comes out in the first pad of practice. He gets injured and loses his season. So that is just a tough-ass break. Uh, Flores came out and said he's going to come back stronger than ever. Uh, I agree with him on that one based on just how I've seen him interact and post. He's very positive and a good follow on social media. But shout-out to him. I hope he heals quickly and rehab goes well and he comes back and helps us. Uh, but on the flip side of that, Sam, a lot of these statistics and things like that, you know, you mentioned three QB, uh, 13 QB hits. I mean, like, Cam Wake had that in sacks in the season. Yeah. So, like, was him stepping up, uh, He was he the tallest midget, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like, we were so bad at pass rushing last year that, like, somebody had to be first place. Sure. Um. So, like, are, are we losing a lot when it comes to getting Agba and uh, Shaq Lawson And these other guys coming in like a Van Noy, are we really, it was, you know, Beagle going to actually be a big part of that defense with these guys possibly and most likely overtaking his reps. I don't know. So I don't know how it really affects the 2020 season. I just, like you said, emotionally as a fan, love the guy a lot and he did a lot for us. And I, I, you just hate to see it.
1: Yeah, losing Vince Beagle uh, for the fans is more of an emotional thing because he's more like us than he is the other NFL players on the team (laughs) or on the squad, right? You look at somebody like him and you go, "Oh, I could be an outside linebacker because he's not a guy that was highly touted. Yet he worked hard. He uh, he he's done everything the right way, and he made an impact last year. Now, like you said, he made an impact on a bad team. And there's like an old mantra in the NBA that it's not too hard to be the leading scorer on a bad team because somebody finally has to shoot the bucket and make it right. Um, So there might be a little bit of that. I mean, the fact that he was the league or the team leader in QB hits last season uh, with 13 is probably not the best stat to, to want to throw out there. That shows you how bad we were and why we committed in the offseason to getting more linebackers, to getting more defensive end, to drafting pass rushers specifically for that case to shore up that weakness that we had last year in 2019. So yes, from a stat standpoint, losing Vince Beagle probably not the biggest issue in the world, uh, but I think from a team morale, fan morale, just overall, just... A guy that you root for. He's a little bit of like a Rudy esque type figure for the Miami yes. Dolphins fan base. Uh, I think that's soul crushing to see him go down, especially on day one. I mean, you're so excited. Uh, all you want to do is see those guys out there hitting and running around and being, you know, feeling good about everything that they're doing and, you know, coming through this pandemic. And then, you know, an hour into practice, he's on the ground, he's holding his leg, and you've got uh, trainers and coaches around him uh, wishing him well. And we'll see you next season. So, uh, kind of a brutal way to lose a guy that everyone is rooting for. Um, But I think the Miami Dolphins defense, the Miami Dolphins in general, will rally around the fact that, um, you know, they can do this a little bit for Vince Beagle and that they have more talent this year than they had last year. So they can pick up the slack where uh, where Vince Beagle falls off right now. But that being said, uh, nothing but good things for Vince Beagle. Get well soon. We'll see you in 2021. I'm not worried about him losing his spot. I think he's got a spot on a a Brian Flores team uh, for quite some time if he wants it.
0: Yeah, he's a Larry Izzo type of a team. He's the uh, Mike Hole type of a team, a Michael Thomas type of a team where he's just more, he does more good than bad being on your roster, being in your locker room, being on your practice field because he's going to have a high motor and he's going to uh, make guys look bad if, if they're not giving their the, the full effort too. There's those guys on the, the team. He knows what it's like to not be a, a starter, to not be a top player. So he's just going to grind and grind and grind and you want that around you because it's infectious.
1: All right, well, speaking of defense here, we, we both kind of agree that losing Vince Beagle absolutely sucks, but for all the reasons that we like Vince Beagle, um, they're not necessarily you know numbers-based. It's not because of what he does and produces in terms of the stat sheet. Uh, another guy that seems to be not ready for week one against the New England Patriots when the regular season does start is our starting quarterback, Xavier Howard. Um, he's on the COVID-19 list right now. There's been a lot of reports that he has not been recovering as quickly as we thought uh, with his knee injury and knee surgeries from last offseason. Uh, Coach Flores has actually come out, Chris, and said that the cornerback spot opposite of Byron Jones is open. It's open for competition right now, and he's assuming that Xavier Howard will not be ready for week one. I don't know if that was a shot across the ballot, Xavier Howard, like get your shit together, or if he's just saying, hey, he's not he's not going to be healthy and we need to move on and, and have somebody else step up. But uh, for all the opposite reasons of Vince Beagle, you know, Xavier Howard <laughs> – I don't know. He he makes me scratch my head a little bit. Sometimes I, I I love the guy, and sometimes I go, man, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Why are you making these decisions? Um, but you can't deny his talent. You cannot deny the fact that he is just a, a fantastic football player. Uh, what does this mean for the Miami Dolphins if he's not ready to go come game time?
0: It it sucks <laughs> if Xavier Howard's not ready. It really sucks. Um, there's rumors that he tested positive for COVID and he's yeah. been out for ten ten days now. Uh, or on that COVID uh, list for 10 days. He's been participating participating in Zoom meetings and everything like that. Uh, so he's there mentally, but is he going to be in shape? Is he going to be ready against New England? Um, and then in that case, are we like, forcing this rookie, uh, Noah eichmann Agni, I tried. That was good. That was um, good. <laughs> I like it. Uh, to possibly start <laughs> against Bill Belichick in his first NFL football game. I mean, he, he, he classically goes after rookies and uh new new guys on the roster and things like that so he he's got to be ready he's having a pretty decent training camp from out all the reports that are coming out thus far uh very competitive played at auburn so he played against the sec guys so he's my uh front runner in my opinion to be opposite uh byron jones but not having Xavier howard is is huge i mean you need him out there against new england especially it's a divisional game week one um against cam newton who's learning a new offense too most likely so um, yeah not having him sucks he, he he makes me scratch my head too he gets the contract is he mad that we got Byron Jones and gave him a bigger contract i don't uh. know i'm completely fact, i have no idea if that's uh, any any weight to that at all but it's worth discussing
1: You know, here's what's worth discussing too, Chris. Um, When we got Byron Jones, I, I think I even mentioned on this podcast that I thought maybe this was a sign that the days of Xavier Howard in Miami were numbered. And during the draft or the lead up to the draft, one of the scenarios that I brought up was could we trade Xavier Howard away to another team for yet a fourth first round draft pick? Because that was the going rate for, you know, top of the line starting cornerbacks. We didn't do it. And, you know, I think we fell in love with the fact that we could have Xavier Howard on one side, Byron Jones on the other, Eric Rowe covering the tight end from the safety position and having this defensive backfield, especially now that we have Igby in there, uh, that's just deep and long and talented. Um, But I'm wondering now, Chris, knowing what we know about Xavier Howard's uh, lack of recovery from injuries, knowing Xavier Howard's, let's just say, questionable decision-making at times, did the Miami Dolphins miss out on an opportunity to get younger and another draft pick in their pocket from this last season by hanging on to Xavier Howard and maybe uh, hanging on to him too long and now having to take a discount down the road uh, in terms of compensation if they were to trade him versus trading him at his absolute peak and getting at least one first-round draft pick a couple of months back
0: that's that's the golden question man um and, and it's just one of those things where we don't have preseason to even have him show out and show he's healthy and right um you know trade him to anybody uh it, 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 if you look at it from his perspective he gets this big contract and what do they do they they sign the number one corner <laughs> in, in uh free agency oh, okay maybe he wants to pair us together no big deal then you got three first round draft picks and your third to first round draft pick you you draft another corner and you're like
1: Hmm. I think it
0: sends a message. I think yeah. it sends a message. There's a message being sent there and I don't think it's we want all the cornerbacks <laughs> in the league. <laughs> like just like if I'm Xavier Howard, I'm calling my agent like you're thinking what I'm thinking, right? Uh so yeah, I don't know how much of this is um COVID related, injury related, uh salty related. Uh, But if he does have COVID, that sucks. I mean, he's got a quarantine that's going to happen. But I hope he's staying in shape. A lot of guys. And this is where you kind of brought it up earlier. Um, everybody 's going through this, so it 's not just us, so that 's good right you know i 'm watching hard knocks, and these guys are doing like you know six inches and sit ups and stuff in their fucking hotel rooms. so uh if, if Xavier Howard is asymptomatic and he 's got covid but he 's not like got a fever or anything he, he The guy needs to be working out and needs to be running he needs to be lifting uh, Cause he can come back and jump right in he knows his defense in that case, then you you know throw Noah eye out there at nickel or in a slot or whatever but um yeah, it's a very. It's going to be very interesting to watch this whole situation when it comes to Xavier and Howard. Uh, but the good thing is Byron Jones has seemed like he is completely top-level captain material. Like, this guy works hard. He demands everything from guys. He's uh, tight coverage on Parker and Williams. And all we're doing is making each one of these guys, receiver and corner, better going against each other.
1: No, it's uh the, nothing against any of the other guys there and I would love to be absolutely dead wrong when it comes to Xavier Howard and the relationship oh, yeah. with the Miami Dolphins. I I hope he comes back and he's there like let's say week 2. He's in good shape, everyone loves each other and we've just got this killer, you know, two two man island out there with uh, Jones and Xavier Howard, because that would be the ultimate dream for us here on defense, especially considering where we were last year as a franchise and to where we are now. Uh, I would love to be wrong. I'd love to eat my words. I would love to uh, come back here in a few weeks and go, I was stupid and I was wrong. Um, so we're just, we're, just, we're just talking. We're just rapping. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one thing we do know is that uh, Omar Kelly as well as some other uh, lovely Miami Dolphins beat writers out there, speaking of training camp, speaking of practice, are uh, making it known that maybe Tua doesn't look as good in his rookie campaign so far, whereas somebody like Josh Rosen, who we've all kind of written off, um, has looked really, really good with the Chan Gailey offense, and of course Ryan Fitzpatrick being Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, What do you make of the early reports of Tua and Josh maybe lining up the opposite of what we thought with regards to how they are uh, taking to the NFL training camp season? I don't care. This is ridiculous. <laughs> We're, majority playing against error. um
0: If you actually read some of these tweets, and they do it on purpose, I know they do. They'll be like, oh, wow, Rosen with a deep pass to Jakeem Grant for a touchdown. And then you see Joe Shad's tweet, and he's like, these are on one-on-one drills. <laughs> like, it's right. not even like they're playing 11-on-11, 11 11, they're reading defenses. It's literally one guy versus one guy. And Jakeem Grant is fucking fast. So, of course, the go route is going to be like your end-all, be-all, and you just throw it up and it's there. Tua is not going to have the strongest arm. He's not going to be the fastest guy. What Tua brings to a pocket and to the huddle and as a quarterback is his decision-making, is his accuracy, is his speed in which the ability to read a defense and coverage and audibles. And find a soft spot in the zone and make the right throw. Those things, who cares on -on one-on-ones? Those are irrelevant. I literally am overweight and 33 years old with a bad knee. I played quarterback my whole life until high school. I could go out and make decent go-route throws one-on-one, especially if I'm throwing to Devontae Parker. Like, they're going to be like, well, Chris Cohen actually threw a couple touchdown passes today. Like, it doesn't mean anything. You put me out in an actual game or an 11-11 scenario, I'm going to look like Chris Farley dancing in the Chippendales with Patrick Swayze. It's going to be terrible. I'm be all over the place. So, one-on-one stuff, throwing into nets. This shit is so ridiculous. It's every year I go on this rant of how ridiculous this looks. Like, Fitzpatrick's going to start week one, most likely. Tua's getting the hard rookie stuff from Flores. That's what they do. They they don't let your head get too big. They want you to keep working, keep being motivated. So he's not going to come out and be like, Tua's amazing. He made a great couple out routes. Patrick Laird, holy shit, he's the next Dan Marino. Why would he come out and do that? It's, his job as a coach is to keep him motivated, keep his feet on the ground, and uh, keep him working. And so he's gonna come out and say, he did some good things, did some bad things. He's got to keep working, and that's gonna motivate him to do so. Um. So I, I don't understand anybody that's saying that, like, you know, Rosen's look better than Tua. Rosen might be the next the, – the future. No. It's training camp. It's Fugazi. It's Fugazi. It's, it's fairy dust. It's ridiculous.
1: I have to admit something, Chris. If you were playing quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, um, I, I think you would be terrible at it in an actual game time situation. No offense. No shit. Uh, but I wonder where I would – what I would do on this show – uh after game day when you've thrown five interceptions four of them for pick sixes and a I don't know if you would still be the co-host of this show I'm guessing the Miami Dolphins would say you can't do that and play quarterback you have to pick one so but if you were like I wonder how I would handle that with you on the other line like how would we talk about the games when you just sucked shit the entire time and if you weren't on the show what I have like the respect that I have for you as a friend outweigh the respect that I have for the Miami dolphins and and the need for them to be good. I wonder if I would just trash you openly or if I would try to have some sort of decor, um, and, 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 and try to, Maybe express my concern <laughs> without completely shitting on your hey, ass. I wonder you how that would
0: full, work. You give him another full training camp. He might. Not, he might have made that out route. You never know. You gotta give him a chance. No. Yeah. You'd shit all over me, and uh, that'd be well well deserved. That'd be hilarious. Five five interceptions. Um, <laughs> I'm I, I more would like to hear your ridiculous prediction of my first game and see what you could come up with and what
1: I could do. Well, stay tuned. I mean, season five of uh, welcome to Perfectville is a long season. So it's very possible that we will bring back some ridiculous predictions whenever we do a throwback episode or something along those lines. And maybe it will involve Chris Cullen, um, fighting the good fight as the quarterback for the Miami dolphins, uh, here in 2020, the COVID season. Um, but speaking of shitting on on people, um, how come the national media is not shitting all over the New England Patriots now that Tom Brady is gone, and that the fact that the New England Patriots are clearly, clearly phoning it in, mailing it in, t- just completely quitting on the 2020 season? Roughly half their roster, Chris, has opted out of this season. Uh, it looks to me like the New England Patriots are tanking for Trevor. Um, and yet nobody, including Steve Young, has any concern about what the New England Patriots are doing up in Boston. Yet when the Miami Dolphins uh, come out with a plan to say, yes, we are rebuilding, we're rebuilding from the ground up, it's going to be a rough season, we're going to try our hardest and see who we have here, uh, people are calling us a dangerous organization and needs to be investigated. Why is this double standard happening where the New England Patriots are not being held to the same standard as the Miami Dolphins a year ago, Chris?
0: This is going to be an unpopular opinion, but the Patriots have earned it. They have been the top of the line, top wanna be. Everybody wants to be you, prom king of the NFL for twenty years, like Shit. two decades. And I don't know. They, they they signed Cam Newton. Some guys opt out. We're in a type of place right now with COVID where. You can't judge these players for opting out. I'm sorry. These players did not opt out because Bill Belichick said, hey, look, we really want to get Trevor Lawrence. You want another ring? Take the year off. We'll pay you. No. There's a chance. The NFL is too quick moving, where if you lose one year, it could be the difference of you retiring, being too old, being replaced. This is not some giant conspiracy. These guys just so happen to back out for whatever reason. And I think the fact that the Patriots went out and got Cam Newton, who looks healthy, Um, shows, A, Bill Belichick doesn't want to look like an asshole when Tom leaves and he looks like a piece of shit. Everybody's going to say it's Tom is the reason why he had this success, so he went outside uh, Cam Newton. I think they went eight, nine games this year. There's no way they're tanking for Trevor, and I know that's going to be an unpopular opinion, but, A, they've earned it for 20 years of
1: greatness, Uh, and honestly, I'm still worried about the Patriots in the division. I think the citizens of Perfectville hate you more for that than the five interceptions that you supposedly <laughs> threw as the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins in that scenario. Yeah, the hypothetical five uh, uh interceptions you just threw. Uh, that's away not as Hall bad. Of fame jacket. But uh yeah, take take one away because he gave praise to the New England Patriots. Look, I I get what you're saying and and I think that the first point is 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 a better one. They've earned it, right? They've earned the uh the the they've earned the ability to not be questioned right away, I, I suppose. However, I do not agree with you. I think you're full of shit if you think these guys are just calling off this season because they have concerns over COVID. You're telling me the same franchise that is is willing to cheat here, there, and everywhere is all of a sudden going to be like, well, we have concern over this and we're going to do the right thing. No, they don't do the right thing. Bill Belichick does the wrong thing every single time. The owner of the fucking New England Patriots went out and got a rub and tug from some like uh, uh, illegal aliens in a, in, a, in a fucking massage parlor in, in <laughs> Palm Beach, Florida. Like They don't do things the right way. The Patriot way is illegal. And and should be questioned. I mean, that's, that's the free pass that I keep, like, is driving me absolutely batshit crazy because they keep cheating and they keep getting away with it. Now, this isn't necessarily cheating, but I do think that they are looking to figure out ways to raised their draft stock. I think the whole Cam Newton thing is a fucking sham. Call it Sham Newton. They gave him one year. They probably just gave, gave him a year to be like, look, we're going to give you a job. You can showcase yourself on some level. We'll make every excuse in the book as to why it wasn't your fault whenever you do throw interceptions or fumble or fuck up. We'll blame all these other assholes that are still going to play because all of our talented people have decided to opt out. You'll go away. You'll go somewhere else in a year and get paid because we're just going to hold you up on this high pedestal and then we're going to go at Trevor Lawrence and then we're going to just win the league again for the next 30 fucking years i'm sick of it i hate the fucking new england patriots i hate the fact that they keep getting away with this shit and no i don't think that these guys are clear and pristine i think they're dirty and disgusting and i hope they all fucking die
0: well that's uh that's one opinion for sure Uh
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't hope they die that was that was a little harsh
0: no i just yeah they don't have any receivers i mean they don't their defense completely is off the grid I don't know. I just I just think uh, Bill Belichick, uh, there's no way the year Tom Brady leaves, he's willing to be dead last in the AFC East because all that's going to do is tarnish his legacy. Um, Isn't enough to not call him the greatest coach of all time or one of? No, I don't think so. But the questions are going to come up. They're like, "Hey, Tom's gone now. You're, you know, seven and nine. You're, you're six and ten. It's kind of weird, isn't it?" And I guess he can say, "Hey, look, everybody fucking backed out. It's COVID. What do you want me to do? Uh, I'm stuck with Cam Newton for Christ's sake." Or um, you know, he really is trying to like scalp. Uh, I don't. Know. It's just it's so hard with New England because every year we're like, "Oh, Tom's done. They don't have anybody to throw to. They lost Josh Gordon." He's 42 years old. They, they go out and win 10, 11 games. And you're like, how the
1: fuck are they doing this with guys I've never even heard of? Because they're I- cheating, Chris. <laughs> they're fucking cheating. That's the whole point of this rant. They're cheaters. <laughs> they're cheating. And we haven't figured out all the ways they've cheated, but they're cheaters. Okay, well, if they've cheated for two decades. Um, the the Rick Flair cheated for 30 <laughs> years and was a 17-time world champion in wrestling. It happens. Woo! <gasps>
0: I love the scripted wrestling compared to like the supposedly legitimate NFL. You sound like Bill Burr right now just ranting that the NBA is rigged. Um, you no, know, if that's the case, then that's why you're not hearing anything. Sam, Jesus Christ, the the, the national media is not going to shit all over the cheating Patriots. They've been told, shut the fuck up by the NFL. We own you or you're not going to be able to show our highlights anymore. So that's why they're all like, well, maybe Bill Burr, Jake and Cam Newton can do something big in Boston. They're not going to shit on it. Dolphins, we've been a laughing sock. I swear to God, we sold our souls to the devil when we went to Perfect season, and now that's all the that fucking Mercury Morris talks about. And we're bar- we're built a stadium on Indian burial grounds, and they're gonna think we're a piece of shit franchise. We went one in fifteen within this last. Two decades, so of course they're going to shit all over us for "quote unquote" tanking um, and not give us props. But New England, fuck no, they're suckling at the teat. That is the non-video used in a courtroom, just approved by the way of him, Robert Kraft, getting jerked off by some underage, probably Asian chick uh, in a massage parlor. They, they they're not going to show the fo- the video. It can't be used in court. Uh, they're, they're not going to talk bad about him in national media because they're the Patriots. And I think he owns Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. So they're just going to completely look the other way.
1: Well, I appreciate you contributing to my conspiracy theory. I appreciate that. Thank you very much, Chris Cullen, two-time Hall of Famer, also co-host of Welcome to Perfectville and Shitty Starting Quarterback, hypothetically, for the Miami Dolphins in the future. Uh, Speaking of the future, Chris, our near-term future, I do need to announce the fact that we now – for the second year in a row, have the okayest fantasy league ever. Yes. that's right. Last year it was a ten-team league. Right now it is set up as a twelve-team league. We've added a couple more citizens to the roster here of the Perfectville Fantasy Football League, what we call the okayest fantasy league ever. <laughs> um, I got third last year, Chris. What, what place did you get?
0: Oh, uh, it's like top five or
1: something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, definitely top ten. Absolutely 100%, yes, 100% top ten. 100% top ten. Well, let's see if we can keep that streak alive here in 2020 with the okayest fantasy league ever. Again, we're now down to 12 teams. We have two people in reserve, Chris, so I'm wondering, what do you think? Should we, should we go to a 14-team league for fantasy football? That would stretch our rosters awfully thin, but it could get really, really interesting when all of a sudden you're drafting the third running back for the Miami Dolphins in like the seventh round.
0: Fuck it. It's 2020. Uh, we might be end up playing, you know, Jamal Lewis at running back because of COVID or something eventually. So who knows? Those late round guys might end up being huge deals. Um, you know, like Cooper Manning might end up playing receiver for the Giants or some shit. So you got to you got to be prepared and in COVID 2020. I'm all for it. Extend it as long as you fuckers are active.
1: All right. Well, that's the one thing about this league like, oh, no other. There is an active message board. There is active shit talking. There's, Talk there's shit, power itch. rankings. There's everybody out there that's, uh, you know, they they are active. So we want to bring the heat again in uh, 2020 when it comes to the okayest fantasy football league ever. We are going to go to 14 teams. If it gets any bigger, Chris, we're going to have to split this into two different divisions, I think, and just have, I, uh, I don't know. Two Patrick Mahomes and two Patrick, or, well, wow, uh, two Patrick Mahomes and two Cordell Stewarts. I don't know who else is in the fucking (laughs) league anymore. Um, But anyway, there you have it, guys. Okay, fantasy league. We talked about Tua. We talked about the wide receiving core. We talked about COVID. We talked about Jerry Jones and his obsession with having people inside of an arena. We talked about Robert Kraft and getting his Yankee Doodle yanked. And uh, I don't know what else there is to talk about on this episode. The debut episode of Season 5 of Welcome to Perfectville. Chris, anything else you have to say before we shove off and go elsewhere?
0: Only thing I have to say is we need a belt for the Fantasy League. Yeah, like a fucking paperhead or a Rondé Bagston belt of some kind, wrestling belt. I have some old toy ones maybe we could finagle if somebody's mechanically inclined out there. That would be cool. Um, And that's all I have to say about that. Maybe a, a paper bag spinner belt. How about that?
1: Well, there we go. Off to the message boards we go for the (laughs) OKS Fantasy League of all time to figure out this belt design and what we can do. I agree with you. I think that would be awesome, and we can mail it to the winner, which means we'll just keep it here at my house. So, uh, With that being being said, on behalf of the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer and DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network, I am Sam Marcoux. He is Chris Cullen, and goodbye from Perfectville. Later.